Duty podcasts covers a lot of ground. My elevator pitch is that the whole educational enterprise is an infinite wellspring of interesting stories. Lunch Duty takes up topics that might come up in the faculty room or in some episodes, the senior lounge. One topic getting a lot more attention than it was a year ago is racism and its impact on students. A whole spectrum of conversations, some of them difficult but many necessary are happening at every level, from the students up to the most senior administrators. The group of students you'll hear about in this episode have taken upon themselves the task of starting and moderating some of these conversations in the newly formed National Black Student Alliance. High school senior Ann Stone Ridge School of the Sacred Heart student Lourdes Russell will forever have the distinction of being one of the organizing founders of this new advocacy and education group. She joins Director of Diversity and Lunch Duty Podcast guest producer Michelle Black in a conversation about how the group started, its goals, and its challenges. For listeners interested in an in-depth sense of what the National BSA will be about and the kind of people animating its remarkable sense of collective purpose, I recommend searching on YouTube for Black Students Forum on Racism in Education. Again, that's Black Students Forum on Racism in Education, a video of a conversation between the NBSA founders and a remarkable group of guests, ranging from civil rights leaders to influential writers and professors. This offers a vivid inside glance of how the National BSA intends to engage the experience of black students in America. This interview as with so much communication between people these days, was recorded with Google Meetings with everything that entails in terms of odd distortions and minor glitches. The other thing typical of internet meetings, background appearances by family members, happens to excellent effect when Lordis's energetic little brother Magnus makes a cameo. While a bit off-topic, his contribution is way too good to cut. I know that platitudes about youth and their eventual contribution to the future are easy, but check this conversation out. You'll hear about some young people who will, with an undeniable sense of mission, guide a profoundly important national conversation that will affect and influence significant change. All right. Good afternoon, Lourdes. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm so glad that we have this opportunity to chat. Really wanted to find out a little bit more about all of the amazing things that you've been doing over the summer. This is a uh, this has been a very very busy summer for you. Can you tell me what brings you joy when you are stressed and when you're dealing with all that you have been dealing with this summer? Mm, what brings me joy? Um. One thing, um, and I think I actually mentioned this on um, the forum we had recently, um, was just like spending time with my little brother, which is not something you often hear from older siblings. My younger brother, um, he's six years old and he just has like the most energy imaginable. Like he just, he doesn't sit down like ever. Um, and it's kind of hilarious. We both have ADD, so we cannot focus on anything and it just makes it more fun. And yeah, we just play games. We had to get his Nintendo Switch repaired and we just got that back after like six weeks. All so right. We a field day with that, playing Mario Kart and Sonic Mania. How about um, Animal Crossing? We don't have, an okay. <laughs> I have Animal Crossing on my phone, but I don't have it on my Switch, which is something I'm working towards. That's a goal of mine. I just, can here you come some, no. <laughs> Sorry. Magnus. 
Yes, Mario Sonic Olympic Games, he said. There you go. See, he needs to correct. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, so um, we've been having a lot of fun with that. Beautiful. So I also want to know, this has been also a really stressful summer as a Black person, as a Black woman. Uh, what's self-care? What does it look like for you? Yeah, for me, it's just like truly organizing a time when I don't have to do like anything. When I don't have anything on my calendar, I don't have like something I feel like I'm supposed to be doing. Um, just kind of like taking a break from it all and like sitting on my deck, listening to the cicadas, <laughs> as weird as that sounds, like just sitting outside and not doing anything. Um, not looking at my laptop. Or if I am looking at my laptop, I'm like watching a YouTube video or watching something for leisure. And yeah, just kind of like making sure I'm in the headspace where I don't have anything that I'm supposed to be doing right then, um, which is really difficult uh, because I always feel like I have something to do. Mm. Um, but yeah, finding that time is really important for me. So how have you felt this summer? This is a historic summer. Summer of 2020 is one that is for sure in the history books. Um, how have you felt personally? Um, just really frustrated, right? Like um, really tense and really frustrated and angry, I guess you could say. I haven't really felt much sadness, I'll be honest. It's just mostly like mad at the world, especially because in mentioning that we've been so busy this summer, it feels like we're doing a lot. And you always think, oh, well, we're doing so much all of it's going to change, you know, like we're done, not we're done, but like a bunch of things are going to change and it's going to be better. And then it's the same stuff is happening over and over. It's just even more frustrating that like you can demand things and people can say no to those demands where you can do all those, all these different things and it still doesn't change people's minds or their actions. So that's really where my frustration has been coming from is just like, doing all of these different things and still not seeing results, even though I'm like stressing myself out about it and other people aren't really focusing on it or they kind of dismiss it. So yeah, that's been really frustrating. So where do you think that this activist side of you, where does it come from? Um, I've always been, well, no, ever since I started high school, I've been pretty outspoken. Um, so like freshman, sophomore year, I started organizing. I did a lot of like um, gun control organizing so I did a lot of work with like March for Our Lives, um, Students Demand Action, things like that, and go for Change. And I think just like the feeling of, you know, like even though people can say no, and even though there might not be a huge change that comes out of the work that I do, just like doing the work was just really satisfying and was just like very... I don't know, it just felt so nice to be doing things. I, always, I like to keep myself occupied. Mm -hmm. And this was a way to keep myself occupied while trying to make change that not only impacts myself and my identity, um, but the identity of my friends, the identities of my friends, strangers, just people I know. So I think it really came from just like my, just coming from kind of the, yeah, just the, the happiness that, that I got when I would organize and I would partake in different events and things like that. So thank you. So speaking about organizing and putting things together, can you tell me about the origin of the National BSA? Where did it come from? Where did this idea come from and how did it come to be? Yeah, so it was about early mid-July 
I started working with a lot of students that have been involved in um, all of the different black app pages. And for context, those are like the pages um, where black students talk about their experiences of racism anonymously at their predominantly white institutions and other students of color as well. And so it kind of came out of that. There's this girl named Sky. She's the one that organized the all props to Sky. Um, she is so she she's not anonymous, um, but she she was the co-creator of Black at EHS Episcopal High School, and she was like, "Well, let's have this forum. Um, let's have you know some sort of forum where we discuss what it's." like going back to school as a black student at a PWI. And so we started organizing the forum and getting the speakers and things like that. And she was like, well, I don't want this to be a one-time thing. And we were just talking about like how we can move forward. And she was like, you know, you lead the BSA at your school. I lead the BSA at my school. Why don't we start a bigger BSA? Um, because we came to find out that a lot of people don't have BSAs at their school. I'll admit, I was not aware of that. I just assumed that plenty of schools had them and that it was just a widespread thing um, come to find out it is not and that's really disappointing and so we were like so since it might not be possible for everyone to bring a BSA to their school at least not in the near future why don't we create a sort of like national standardized one that serves like as a space for students to just talk about their experiences, but also for a space for them to make change in their communities and on the national level. So a lot of what we're working on is still still a work in progress. We have a lot of things that are still coming that we haven't pushed out yet. But um, yeah, it just kind of came from, came from us thinking, you know, why not make this a long-term thing? Why not continue it on? Um, instead of like this forum, the Black Students Forum on Racism and Education, instead of that being a one-time thing. I love it. Can you tell me the names of the co-founders of the National BSA? Yeah, so it's um, myself, um, Sky Jackson, not to be confused with the child actor, and um, Amy John Terry. She also goes to Episcopal High School. So three Black women. Yep. Interesting. Can you tell me why that, why you think that that came about? How did just three black women just start the national BSA? I mean, I don't know. It was just kind of us like coming together and being like, hey, like we're three black students that have, in terms of student leadership, substantial roles, um, substantial roles of leadership in our school, which is not always too common for black students. And so we were like, you know, why don't we not, no, not to like make ourselves idols or like role models or anything like that, but why don't we, why don't we make ourselves leaders of this change? Like, why don't we as black students, young black women, um, put ourselves in the position to make change and not always have like white people or non-black people coming in to make this change why don't we do it ourselves and yeah so it just kind of came from that beautiful interesting and i am you know when when we're done speaking I'd, I'd like you to take a look and see um and see for yourself that a lot of the civil rights movements have been um on the back of black women um particularly black lives matter so i, I 
I want you to, to realize that not only are you in good standing with other Black women who are leaders um, doing this work, but um, appreciate you for taking that, that step because it's not easy, um, the emotional labor and the intellectual labor and all the other things that go along with it. So you are doing tremendous things for yourself, for your generation, and for others. About how many schools or how many people do you have in your national BSA? So in terms of members, we're not really sure yet um, because we don't really have like all of the membership things organized quite yet. In terms of our forum, we had a thousand people sign up and most of those people attended. So in terms of like membership, we don't really have a number, um, at least not that I know of. I mean, I know plenty of people that are like, I RSVP'd, I signed, I keep up with the website and things like that. And so I'm like, we have, we have a pretty strong crowd. And those are just people that I know from the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. And um, we've reached nationwide, which was one of our big goals was to reach, you know, people in California, but also like Montana and Texas and just all the different parts of the country. So what do you have planned next with the National BSA? Well, we are working on another forum. So we're trying to have forums each month. Um, That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, But we're going to try it. Um, So I think our next, we're narrowing it down, but I'm pretty sure our next forum is going to be on sports. Um, So we're going to have some really prominent people. I don't know much about sports, so I don't know all the lingo. But um, we're going to have some pretty prominent people speak there. Um, it's, I think that's going to be really interesting, especially um, in light of so many athletes su- supporting Black Lives Matter and coming out and being very verbal about that. I think that's going to be really fantastic and really, just really strong. And another thing we're working on, we're trying to work on these like toolkits where we can help students. Um, there'll be like video series and blog posts and things like that. Honestly, just how to be black at a PWI. Like, what, is, what do you do? What do you do in these situations? How do you bring a BSA to your school or a BSU? Um, how do you work with your administration and make sure that you are being heard and not dismissed or ignored or, you know, gaslighted? Gaslit. So, yeah, we're working on both a forum and just sort of like resources um, for black students and for allies as well. That's amazing. I can only imagine for students who are in institutions where there's not enough uh, numbers um, to, to, to start a BSA or they just have never seen one. Um, what you're doing for them is giving them a lot of hope and making them feel seen and heard. So I wanna really tell you what you are doing an amazing, amazing thing um, and uplifting kids that you don't even know. So, so much, so much gratitude for you. Remind me of the um, speakers that you had on the National BSA and how you're getting these amazing people to, to show up. And yeah. <laughs> obviously yeah. because it's you, Lourdes, but like how, how, how are you getting these people? So once again, all props to Sky. Her grandfather is Reverend Jesse Jackson. And so she has all of these fantastic connections in addition to being her amazing self. She's outspoken <laughs> and like just a wonderful, fantastic person. Um, and so we had Angela Rye. She was the moderator of our Q&A and just a bunch of other things. Um, we had Dr. Mary Frances Berry, Dr. Uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson spoke there. Marcia and Michael Eric Dyson spoke as well. Um, Eddie Glaude, um, Marissa Baradaran, 
You had a lot. You had a, a, so many wonderful speakers. We had a lot. We had a lot. Of, I, I think that's. I think that's the list. Give me a second. <laughs> What's wrong, Magnus? Okay. Let me see Okay, then please. I just want to try them. I can't. I can't help you. Have to try and do it. Go get the switch. No. I'm sorry, give me one second. <laughs> Goodness. Okay, give me, let me try this. No, it's telling you. It's telling me to put in a password, and I don't have a password. <laughs> there you go. Is it working? Yes. Thank you. No, can you go out? Thank you. You're the best. Yeah, thank you. You're the best. Thank now continue you. your call. Okay. You have permission to continue. There's, there's touch. Oh, yes, there is touch. He wants me to tell you that, that we also and have Tetris. And carnival games. On the oh movie. my goodness! Yeah, that's some good stuff. Games that we have. We have many. Can I? Can we talk about this later? Sure. I bet she's gonna hold it too. He's gonna be like, "So you said we could talk about this later. Let's let's he have really this conversation." Really <laughs> I promise you that. Um, I did. I did name all of the the um, expert panelists we had, and we had a number of other students as well from predominantly white institutions. Um, yeah. Awesome. So I have, I have got a, um, I've got a tough question. Oh. You ready for it? Mm -hmm. In light of a lot of the things that we're seeing, not only just um, racism and white supremacy, I want to bring attention to something that I saw that I try to keep um, conscious and aware of. I love that you have three black women who are leading. I'm also aware of the colorism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you were three fair, yes. complected women um, who were who were leading this BSA. Had you considered that at all? Yeah. Um, okay. Very much so. Um, I was actually talking with Sky about this. I think it was last night or two nights ago. We were just talking about how um, coincidentally all three of us are very light-skinned women. Mm -hmm. uh, we hadn't met each other before. We well, Sky and um, Amy were friends. But I had no idea who they were, right? Um, so it all happened, honestly, by coincidence. We are definitely talking about, like, as we move forward, we really do want to diversify our leadership. And because colorism is such a huge issue that I feel like is extremely overlooked and disregarded um, in terms of, especially in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement and in so many other cultures as well. So, yes, we are very well aware. And we really are, as we develop, as we... Um, work on all of the internal structure that we are working on right now in terms of national BSA. We're definitely going to be incorporating more, um, more students uh, diverse, of different colors, of different shades. And um, so we've, that has been at the forefront of what we've been doing recently. Beautiful. I knew that you would have been thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> and this is my last question for you. Are you hopeful? for racial justice in the future. I mean, I'm thinking about, we keep thinking like, is that the last one? And nope, Jacob, just this weekend, right? Are you hopeful? I'm hopeful, but with many conditions. So I'm hopeful on the basis that things that aren't always even related to race or people don't always think are related to race change first. So like, I don't even think that like reforming our police system would work. I think that taking down the whole thing and just like completely starting from square one, that would make me hopeful. Um, 
I'm really not hopeful in terms of like electoral politics. I don't think we're like in terms of who we elect, things are really going to change much. In terms of like the people that I interact with on a daily basis, um, I guess my like, well, now everything's virtual, but the people I interact with, my peers at school, my friends at work, things like that, I've definitely seen a change. Um, so that does make me hopeful for just kind of like everyday things um, and just everyday interactions and how people are more conscious in terms of their everyday life. But in terms of what's a things that are structural in our country and around the world, honestly, and systems that we have in place, I'm not entirely sure um, if I have much hope unless we literally start from square run, square one all over again. I don't think that reform really reforms anything. I think it's just a, a word that, a buzzword that people use just to be like, oh yes, we're reforming this. And then it all ends up the same because there's so many things that we have reformed that have failed still. It's truly dismantling. We have yeah. to dismantle the systems. Absolutely dismantling. And dismantling the systems will upset a lot of people and a lot of structures. Uh, so that's why it's, if it is gonna happen, can't happen in one fell swoop. Right, yeah, I mean, already people are very frustrated just by the idea of it. And I've had plenty of, one, not arguments, but heated conversations with people on, the, on this topic of dismantling different systems and just the fact that, and I mean, honestly, it's really interesting how sometimes you think even Sometimes you think the ones that outright, like, what's the word? Outrightly oppose the BLM. Um, sometimes you think they're the only ones that would be so hesitant and so, like, against all of the dismantling and just the changes that we are trying to make. But it's often also the people that are performative supporters. Like, they're, they're so welcoming to change until it really affects them or affects something that they are like on the down low supporters of and that has been really interesting to me just in terms of like different things that i've posted on instagram different things that i've talked about with people um different things that i've said that i stand for and people that i would think are supporters of blm and just social justice issues in general they're like, oh, no, that's too radical. Or, oh, no, that's just, that won't work. We can't do that. Are you serious? We can't, we can't do all of that. I'm like, yeah, we can. And that's, and I'll do it again. That is what we're going to do. Like, yeah, that, that's also something that's been really frustrating and something that does take away a little bit of my hope is that this, this whole summer that has radicalized so many people has also shown a lot of the people that claim to be progressive or claim to be supporters and things like that knowing that they're just doing it for for the lack of a better word for clout for um, recognition and yeah just that as well it's really something stressful it truly yeah. is yeah. And it just makes it makes the work that much harder. Um, and, and again, in both ways, right, it makes it it makes it harder in terms of um, how hard you have to push. And then it makes it emotionally much more harder too. So yeah, I sure. recognize that and appreciate what you're saying. I was just gonna say for sure, like emotionally it has been truly taxing. Um, I'm not like a super emotive person all the time. And even this I'm like, Oh my god, can we like I'm glad. That's really great. That's really great. Okay. Um, 
but yeah, just just that um, even as a person that's not super emotional, it has really been taxing for me. And I was not expecting I wouldn't expect anything to happen this summer. Well, what a summer it's been. And back to school next week, girl. Yes. <laughs> Senior year. No, you're supposed to be happy. It's your yeah. senior year. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I'm what I'm disappointed about is that school was supposed to start on the eighth and now starting on the thirty first. I can't stand by that. I can't I can't support that. <laughs> but the teachers are so happy to see you, so sorry. Maybe that's maybe I'll <laughs> I'll believe that that's it. I'll, I'll be so excited. They're so excited. Yes, I'm. I'm a little excited to go back. I'm helping with freshman orientation and things like that. So I'm. I'm a little excited. So, Lourdes, before we go, I just want to ask you one final question. Um, so, if we have listeners, students who are listening to this, or teachers or parents who are listening, and they want their their child to be connected to the National BSA, what would they do? Is there a site? Is there? How can they get in contact with you? Yeah. So we have a website. Um, nationalbsa.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have an Instagram, which you can DM, comment on, whatever you need to do, um, which is at nationalbsa. We also have an email, which is hello at nationalbsa.org. And I, we also have a Facebook page, National BSA. I don't use Facebook, but we do have a Facebook page for those okay. that are that are users of Facebook. So the parents and the grandparents can do that part, huh? Exactly. <laughs> all of the college students that just had to get Facebook and things like that. So yeah, everybody that's using Facebook, hit us up. National BSA. Thank you so much, Lourdes. This has been wonderful. And I can't wait to see you soon. Yeah. Hopefully on campus at some point too. Hopefully. Hopefully. Alrighty. Executive producer of the Podcast, Ken Woodard. Guest producer, Michelle Black. Episode recorded and edited by Ken Woodard. Theme music composed and recorded for Lunch Duty by Ray Ruskin. Credit roll music composed and performed by Luke Woodard. Think big, have fun, and keep teaching.